0: we're talking about family this weekend and what it means to be family what some of that stuff looks like we talked about unity yesterday locking our arms standing side by side together for the faith of the gospel against our enemy our common enemy you and i are not the enemy with one another we have a common enemy and we stand against him together Uh, And so we talked about unity in that way. Today we're going to talk about, it says loyalty on the screen. I'll just think through a couple things with you about that before we get started. I'm sticking with loyalty. I've changed that slide gobs of times. Because um, if you read about this subject, there's a handful of guys who have really concentrated on uh, what ancient family looked like and how we take those principles and bring them forward. I'll re- I did yesterday. I'll do it today. We'll read from some of these authors. But um, they all say loyalty, It's all and it's always the second one. What does it mean to be family? Unity is always at the top of the list, which is interesting, isn't it? Because if I was going to say, what does it mean to be family? I would start with love. How many of you have that sign in your bathroom or somewhere in your house? You know, in this house, we do this, 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 this. But above all else, we love. We have those signs in our houses, and that's what family is for for us. But whenever you talk about this subject, unity is always number one, because it's a matter of survival. Um, Love is necessary. That's tomorrow morning. We'll talk about that. Uh, But love is not going to help you fend off a band of bad guys when they roll through town. You have to be together. Unity is going to be a matter of survival. So we're going to with unity as number one, and then loyalty is always number two. Here's one reason why I don't necessarily love the word loyalty. In my, I'm reading from the ESV, and so I'm going to come to this topic, and I'm going to search my Bible, and I'm going to say, okay, where do I find loyalty in the Bible? And in my English Standard Version, the word loyalty is found three times, which just automatically makes me think. All right, next, let's let's move on. This is not a subject. But if you compare your New American Standard version, you read for us yesterday how oh, the New American Standard version, you do a search, you got one. So maybe we that, we don't do a whole sermon about uh, the one time this word is used in the Bible. There might be some other things, but but the concept is there. Maybe the word is not there, but you see it in action in a couple of different ways. And because the concept is there, if you're reading from your New King James Version, you'll see the word loyalty 18 times, and a New Revised Standard Version has uh, 25 times. And so what that's telling me is, all right, the word may not be necessarily in my Bible, but the concept is. And so you take those 25 times that... Loyalty is found in the New Revised Standard Version and compare it to other Bibles. And what you're going to see is my ESV is not necessarily using the word loyalty. They're using the word faithfulness or steadfast love. It's not just love. It's steadfast love. And that, if you just stop for a second and process, that is loyalty. Faithfulness is, I'm sticking with you. That's another word for loyalty. (laughs) Even if the word is not that, steadfast love, we're going to walk through the fire, but I'm with you, and we're going to hang on. That's the concept. And so, you know, I go back and forth. If you want to write on your notes that this lesson is called faithfulness, right now I kind of, I go back, right now I'm wishing I would have gone with faithfulness. But in five minutes, I'll change my mind again. So if you're doing your notes at the top of your page, Do either loyalty or faithfulness or steadfast love. Look at this. I told you about this book yesterday, Joseph Hellerman. The most treacherous act of human disloyalty in the ancient family was not disloyalty to one's spouse. It was betrayal of one's brother. I remember the first time that I read that page and I thought, I don't like that. If you just give that some thought and think about the implications of what's going on with that, quote, I'm still not sure that I want to lean, I mean, that's not the Bible. Don't regard that as a Bible. That's a man who's writing, and so it should not be regarded as gospel truth, but uh, I, I threw it up there just because I want you to think about it, at least. The worst thing a family can possibly do is not be disloyal to one's spouse, but disloyal to one's family. Brother is is the family relationship there. And, and I think this is really helpful to get an idea of what's going on with this concept when we talk about faithfulness and loyalty. Uh, if unity is literally a matter of survival, then a betrayal of that unity, a betrayal of trust and loyalty and faithfulness one of the things that we'll mention in just a second what are some words that you would use to describe that a betrayal um one word would be something like treason and treason is a crime punishable by death in every country because one thing that you cannot have for a family to operate is brothers actively working against not being loyal unfaithful to brothers brothers and sisters, the family not functioning in the way that it's supposed to function. That is a certain way to kill the family, to have betrayal and a lack of loyalty or a lack of faithfulness. The family's not going to survive. And so, yeah, it, it may not be, I might not be totally on board with that quote because my faithfulness to my wife is my second priority my faithfulness to god is my first priority my faithfulness to my wife is my second priority but um it's at least worth thinking about whoa this topic is serious stuff loyalty and faithfulness to the family and obviously it's serious stuff because in exodus 34 this is probably when you say the word faithfulness and especially steadfast love this is probably one of the passages that comes to the very front of your mind Because when God describes himself, God, who are you? Let me tell you who I am by telling you what I am like. One of the things that he says about himself is this concept, either in words or in principle. Starting in verse 6, Exodus 34, in verse 6, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, my name, who am I? What am I like? A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That Those words, who is God, what is he like? Steadfast love and faithfulness is this. I'm not going anywhere. That's what it means. I'm with you. Remember when we read through Acts chapter 2 yesterday and I stopped and I was like, that word together together? One of the reasons why I'm paying such close attention to that word together is because this stuff is inside of it. I'm, I'm with you. We're together. Steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what God is like. Verse 7, keeping steadfast love. Four thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. There's no way to be together forever without forgiveness. But he will by no means clear the guilty. And so it goes on. I want to show you a couple passages out of Proverbs. I'm going to throw them up on the screen here for you real quick. And I want to, I want to tell you this. This is new to me. Whenever I'm going through the scriptures and I'm reading about steadfast love and faithfulness, is, are you with me in this one? My head just always goes to God. How many times? I am the Lord. Steadfast love and faithfulness. It goes with God. But look at this. I was reading through these passages not too long ago, and while I was reading, it hit me. This is not a description of who God is. This is a description of what I'm supposed to be. Obviously because of who God is, but look at this. Read this one with me. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, So I told you what I, yesterday I told you what happens to me. Sometimes I read and I finished reading and it's just like I saw the words on the page, but I don't remember, I didn't process, nothing like that. But when I stop and I take a look at that text, Let Not Steadfast Love and Faithfulness Forsake You, I think probably, if I can look back at the last 20 years of my Christianity or so, every time I've read that, just because steadfast love and faithfulness are so intertwined with who God is in my way of thinking, that this is this is the way that I would read that. Let steadfast love and faithfulness not, not forsake you. And so in my head, what I would process is uh, stick with God. But that's not what's going on in this proverb. Look at it closely. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. You bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. you know what that passage is telling us? That same sense of loyalty and steadfast love and faithfulness that God has, that he shows towards the world, that thing, let steadfast love and faithfulness not forsake you. You knew it too. You have a sense of, I'm not going anywhere. You have that sense of loyalty. Watch, you're going to see me do this. I almost did it. I had to stop myself. When I talk about this subject and loyalty, and especially faithfulness, it's associated with this in my head. We're going to, I got you. You got me. And so when I talk about it, this is what God has for us. This is what I have for you don't let that, you be that kind of person in the way that God is that kind of a God. You be that kind of a person. Here's another one. Same thing. Psalm 25 verses eight through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, how have you done that in the past? All the paths of the Lord. What what I would do is I would say, this is what God is like. All the paths of the Lord. This is, this is what God does. Steadfast love and faithfulness. But in the context here, especially following on verse 9, this is what God does. He teaches us, the humble, those who will listen and pay attention to what he says. He teaches us, And then all of the paths that he's shown us and teaches us, all those paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And so this is what I want you to take away. Number one from this part of the lesson is when we talk about loyalty, it's not just one of those really nice things. Oh, I love it when somebody, you know, demonstrates this sense of loyalty and we we just, you know, we just walk through the fire together and I didn't deserve it, but you stuck with me. It's like, that feels great. I love that. And I want to have that for other people too. It's not just one of those really nice things. You read through these passages and these writers are telling us the same way that God is, that's the way that we're supposed to be to each other. And so this would be a really good time to just process the word loyalty and say, do you have that? Do you have that inside of you, a sense of faithfulness? And you can start with your wife. I hope that the the answer to that question would be absolutely no-brainer. I don't have to think about it. You know, we're going to do lots of difficult stuff together, however long the Lord allows us to be married. But I will be faithful to my wife. And my wife will be faithful to me. And so you take that sense of faithfulness, loyalty, the thing that God has given to me, the thing that I share with my wife. Do I have that as a character trait inside of myself that's going to be reflected in my interaction with you? I got you. And I know that you've got me, especially when we need it the most. It's worth thinking about. And immediately, the thing that would pop into my head is, okay, so how do I do this? How do I get better about this? What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? I'm going to turn that off for just a little while. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 9? The only way that I know to explain this is by real life examples, good and bad, and by biblical examples, good and bad. So let's start with some biblical examples of what loyalty and steadfast love and faithfulness look like. Genesis chapter 9, We're going to start in verse 20. This is after God has saved Noah and his sons and their families from the flood. They came through the water. Noah planted a vineyard. And and this story is that he got drunk. And here's what happened after that. Verse 20. Noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Okay. My dad made a mistake. And this stinks. <laughs> you remember Brother Jenkins and I were talking. We have we have a a common friend uh together that we're both very close with. My spiritual father is a man named Tom Kenzel. And and uh, you know, Tom baptized me. He took me under his wing when I was super rough around the edges, and he loved me, and he walked me through the early part of my... Almost everything that I am today is is because of Tom, and and you know too, like we we talked about this at, at dinner the other day, super great guy, and I remember the first time that I discovered that Tom is not a perfect person, and it's like a train that just runs you over. Like here is this spiritual giant in my life. Um, A man who has brought me to, to what I am at this stage. And I see this thing and I learn this thing and it's just like, Oh no. And I remember the same thing with my dad. You know, your dad is, is your guy. And at some point in a man's life, your dad is your guy, and you discover, oh, wait a minute, turns out he's a human like all the rest of us, and not perfect in in many ways. And that's what these boys are about to find out about their dad, is that he's a human too, and that he messes up like all the rest of us. And so there are two different reactions to finding out that information. Verse 21, let's read it again. He drank of the wine, and he became drunk, and he lay uncovered in the tent and ham the father of canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside now i always assume that what the bible says is absolutely literal no matter what but you can take a figurative meaning to that also that it's not just that he saw the nakedness of his father what he saw about his dad is a chink in the armor he saw that his dad makes mistakes and is not a perfect person. And so one reaction to someone within your family not being a perfect person and making mistakes is, hey, hey, guys, look at that. Or maybe we're not making a joke of it. Maybe we're exploiting it or or talking about it in some way, you know. Hey, you're never going to believe this, what my dad did. And 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 all of that. And the other boys reacted in just the opposite way. In verse 23, then Shem and Japheth took a garment. They laid it on both of their shoulders and they walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Literally nakedness. But what they're doing is, let's not make a giant production of how he's shamed himself. Let's cover that up. He's our dad. Also, he just saved the world. That should count for something, but let's not make a huge production out of out of this whole thing. They walked backward, they covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness, and you will be able to read the rest of the story if you keep on going there, but what you see is a story of two reactions. You have one son who at least on this occasion fails, in his loyalty and faithfulness to his father. I'm not saying we make excuses for sin. That's not what this is. But you also don't take that sin and exploit it and say, here's an opportunity for me to do something with it. You have one son who does that, who does not demonstrate loyalty and faithfulness, and you got two other sons who say, this is our family. This is our dad. We don't treat our dad in this way. And I would like to think in the back of their heads, They have this going on in their minds. Hey, guess what? I'm not perfect either, and I'm going to make lots of mistakes with my kids, and how do I want my kids to respond to my mistakes? The word loyalty might not be in this story, but the concept is there. And the concept is, you are my family, and I'm not going to excuse your sin. I'm not talking about hiding. Transparency is the key word in the world today. I'm not talking about covering things up, even though those words are used, but hey, you have some shame. You're not perfect. I got you. We're going to get through this. We're not going to make a production of it. That's what loyalty is. It's what loyalty looks like within a family. I know that whenever I started talking about loyalty, a lot of you went straight to this. Turn over to Ruth chapter 1. This is really the first one in my, in my notes, but I started with Noah and his sons first because chronologically in the, in the Bible it comes first, but this is the first one in my notes because this is the one that just, when you talk about family loyalty, I'm sticking with you through the hard times, no matter what, I'm not going anywhere, I got you, this is your story. You come to Ruth whenever you want to learn about that. And I think it's at least worth doing i see I see a bunch of young ladies over here sometimes sometimes young ladies will ask this question you know i'm I can't publicly preach, I can't publicly teach in these settings and prayer and lead singing and the question is, how can I be a part of God's family? You can keep the whole thing together. <laughs> that's what Ruth is doing here that's huge that's that's something to be paying attention to and who you are and and what you do in the Lord's family and for the Lord. Look at verse 8 with me. Let's get, there was a famine. Uh, The patriarch, the dad in the family died. His two sons died. And so what you have is a famine. You have uh, a mom who is an older woman and you have two daughters-in-law. And this is where we are in this story, starting in verse 8. Naomi Said to her two daughters in law, Go return each of you. Um sorry, I got off on the wrong page. Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with me well, with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept, and they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people, but Naomi said, "No, there's nothing for you here. You need to leave and and this, this is a sad this is a sad situation in verse fourteen. they lifted up their voices and they wept, and uh, one of the daughters kissed her mother and left. but Ruth, look at the end of verse fourteen. If you highlight or underline something in your Bible, that would be one of the things to do. Ruth clung to her. The mom said, I don't have anything for you. Go home. Maybe you'll at least find food. And the husband, maybe there's a, this is an act of love. But Ruth hangs on and Ruth says, I'm not going anywhere. Verse 15. She said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do to me, do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Is there any text in the Bible that articulates this? More clearly, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care how hard things are right now. I don't care that there's a famine. I don't care that your uh, 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 other-in-law, daughter-in-law, just took off. I don't care what it means for me and for my future and who I might find in the future and be able to marry. This is a woman who says, not only in of all of these bad times I'm not going anywhere this is a woman who says especially because of these bad times I'm with you and I'm not going anywhere the word loyalty is not in that verse but the concept is the principle is there or you could use steadfast love that's love that doesn't stop or you could use the word faithfulness I'm with you in this mom I'm not going to turn over to this passage, but if you want to talk about uh, faithfulness and loyalty, you got to talk about David and Jonathan. In the face of difficult circumstances, Jonathan realized what the right thing to do was, and he was, he was knit, his soul was knit to David, and Jonathan demonstrated on multiple occasions, I'm with you, and I'm not going anywhere. Proverbs 17 and verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times. But a brother is born for adversity. That's when we stick together. And that's the concept of, I've got you. I have a rule. I need to ask for your forgiveness before I say this. I have a rule to never, 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 never use myself as a positive example in a class or a sermon and I'm about to do that which this is the only the second time you've heard me speak and so it's like wow that must be all this guy ever talks about I want to let you know that that's not the case and I feel very uncomfortable to tell you this story but I'm going to tell you anyway and there's a reason why I'm going to tell you um so I got to Ellisville 10 years ago November 1st will be 10 years And when my family got there, things were pretty rough. I told you earlier that this study and these lessons came from that time. How are we going to get out of this mess? And how are we going to make sure that it never happens again? That's what this, that's what this study is. And uh, so we got there. And for about, I say three years, my wife says two and a half years. So that's probably true, but it felt like 10 at the time. It was not fun. Um, I was telling Brother Jenkins this yesterday. When when we were at the end of that go, I got so down. I call them the worst two years of my life. I got so down during that time, my head was not right. And I told Becky, I'm gonna try one more thing to get out of this in my head. And if I can't get out of this, I'm gonna have to go see a doctor. Like I was in a bad spot. Um, with with the church family. And do you know what happened? If you imagine if you imagine this church scenario as something like this, you know, when you reach a peak and then things go down and they get... And that's not right. It goes like this. It goes down and then it comes back up. And we're at the very bottom of down. You know what happened when I was at that very bottom of down spot? The worst possible thing imaginable happened for me and for my family and also for my head during that time i got a call and was offered my dream job in another state <laughs> like the the dream job that i've been preparing myself for for the last 6 or 7 years and this is the spot where all of us are like no brainer <laughs> i'm out of here and And I did, I went, we did the interview, we got everything set up, we were ready to go. I could not get out of that place fast enough. And Becky and I had this burning conscience in the back of our hearts this entire time. And we would say to each other, and it was just like, I, there is nothing I want more. And you can make excuses too. We could justify this easy. What's going to be the best thing for our kids? What's going to be the best thing for our soul? It would have been so easy to just go that route. But we had this thing in the back of our hearts this entire time that it just wasn't the right thing to do, to leave these people, especially in this mess. And we didn't know them all that well. We weren't bound to them. The only thing that we did know was bad times. And the reason why I tell you this story is because we stayed. And 10 years in, without question, the second best decision I've ever made in my life. Becky was the first. Just because you're down here in the valley in the hard times, especially with your church family, and everything stinks and you think there's no way out, you say, these are my people, and I'm not going anywhere. If there's a famine, if it's hopeless, I lost my husband and there's no one else for me, in figurative terms, you see what's going on here? I'm not going anywhere, because you are my people. That's what family is. That's what we're talking about here today. The church as a family, that's the picture of what it means. And I'm not going to stay, or I'm not going to leave because things are bad. I'm going to stay because things are bad. I got you. That's the loyalty. It's the picture that we're looking at. And so let's train, uh uh change directions here just a second. So we've done positive stuff. And we talked about Noah and his sons, an example of faithfulness. And we talked about Ruth, the best example of faithfulness. And Uh, we talked about David and Jonathan. We talked about a personal example. There's, I would like, so when I preach, I don't preach. Sorry to tell you about this part. I don't, I'm not a preacher. I don't want to tell people I'm a preacher. I just am having a one-sided conversation. And I tell you that right now because I don't want this sermon to be over right now. I would, I want you to keep going. Let's talk about this what does this look like? And what does this mean? And fire up the text messaging. I want, I'll give you my number. We'll text each other. Let's talk about it. Here's my example. Here's the bad examples. Here's the good and and all of that. Let's keep this conversation going. And so there's what we've done, the good stuff. The bad stuff is also there. So what are some synonyms that you can think of? Uh, Antonyms. What are the opposite of loyalty, faithfulness, and steadfast love—the opposite words uh, I can come up with: betrayal, treachery, treason. What are the opposite of loyalty and faithfulness? I can think of a bunch of different things: infidelity in a in a marriage situation. Look at Mark chapter 14 with me. This is the theme in Mark chapter 14. If you read through this. This chapter, that's that's like the whole thing that's going on. I have a I have a a heading right above verse ten that really sets the stage for this. The heading is Judas Betrays Jesus. And every one of us knows that. Oh yeah. What a bad dude. Like he turned his back on Christ. Who would do that? Nobody wants to be a Judas, but as you turn through the page, you've got Jesus with his disciples at the Lord's Supper. And he looks at the rest of them and he essentially says, y'all are going to do it too. Peter, you're going to, you're going to deny me. And they don't see it. Who would do that? Not me. I wouldn't do it. But Jesus tells them, yeah. And then see the theme of betrayal as you keep on going. In verse 32, Jesus prays in Gethsemane. He asks his closest friends for one thing. Can you just stay awake and, pray with me. And they won't even do that. And then he asks them again. We all make mistakes, right? So he says the second time, would you please stay awake and pray with me? Okay, Jesus. Yeah, you're Jesus. And you're our friend and we'll do that. Fall asleep again. And a, a third time. Like This whole chapter, the theme is betrayal. In Luke chapter 22, I'm not going to turn over there and read from it, but in verse 61 and 62, Luke's version of the gospel says something that the other gospels don't tell about Peter, after he denied Jesus, Jesus turned and he looked at him. And that look, the eye contact was, I knew you weren't going to stand with me when I needed you the most. And the end of verse 62 says, Peter went out and wept bitterly because it turns out he was Judas too. Nobody wants to be that guy. If Bible examples aren't enough for you, um, remember it's Star Wars, like the the new old Star Wars. I don't even know how to talk about Star Wars anymore. They messed the whole timeline up, and um, so it's where it's where little Anakin had not yet turned into Darth Vader, and but he was bad, and Obi Wan Kenobi was fighting against him and he had the high ground and Anakin was down there and he's super bad and they're having this conversation and the conversation is Anakin you were my brother It's an emotional thing because it's like I expect this from everybody else but not you we were family how did this happen betrayal Treachery, treason, infidelity, those opposites of faithfulness and loyalty, they happen in a church family too, and nothing will cut you as deeply as that. So I told you a positive example of myself. I have to even that out and tell you a, a negative example of one of the things that I am the most ashamed of in my entire life during the um, the bad times that I was telling you about earlier Um, There were a couple times when church services started to resemble like a Jerry Springer show, like it was dysfunctional and bad in lots of different ways. And there was one time where somebody got up and started publicly speaking against a man who I love very much. He's one of my shepherds now. And even then, but especially now that we've been together for 10 years, if this shepherd said, I'm going to walk off this cliff, trust me, I'd probably follow him. But aside from just being a good dude, the Christian, I love this man. I love him. And so we were in this spot and somebody stood up and they started the Jerry Springer show where it was talking bad about him and all this. And to this day, one of the biggest regrets in my life was I sat there and I kept my mouth shut. And I remember what was going through my head. There was all kinds of justifications. I'm just going to make things worse, which I probably would have. Uh, I just want out of this thing. I don't know the right thing to say. You've done that a million times, right? I don't know what I'm supposed to say in this situation. It's bad all the way around. I feel so ashamed to tell you about that. Uh, that I just sat there. And looking back and thinking about it in hindsight, I have set in my heart that one of my brothers will never stand alone again. I'm not just going to sit there while my brother gets drugged through the mud. Whatever the right thing might be to do, and I don't have the answer for you. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Lose, lose across the board. It's bad from the start. There's nothing good that's going to come. Whatever the right thing might be to do in a bad situation, abandoning your brother when he needs you the most is not the right way to go. You can just go ahead and scratch that one off the list. I'm not going to do that. Loyalty. Read this one with me, David De Silva again. A church can no longer afford to be mainly a group of people who agree on propositional truths, doctrines, biblical stuff. We have to do that. That's that's our foundation. We have to do that. But that's not only what we do. That's not only what we are as a church. But we must become a group of people committed to one another in love, loyalty, and mutual support. It's not that we agree about what this says and how we do it and what it's supposed to look like. We have to do that part. That's what we're unified in. But on top of that, I got you. And I know that you have me. And that's the only way that the family is going to walk through the fire that is eventually coming. I don't know where you are right now, but I promise you the fire's coming. It always does. And right now what we do is we bind ourselves together in love and loyalty and unity, and we say, get ready. But whatever happens, I'm not going anywhere. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, this conversation is one of the best pictures of Jesus that I could tell you about. Because even though I'm going to make mistakes and fail miserably, You have one who will never fail you. He is the picture of steadfast love and faithfulness, which means that so long as you hang on to him, he's going to hang on to you. If you know what you need to do to come to God through Jesus today, or maybe now's not the moment that you walk down here and we talk about it in front of everybody. If you want to talk about it more afterwards, we can find a quiet spot. I'd love to do that today and maybe it's not me maybe it's one of the shepherds here or or somebody else but don't leave this building without having that conversation thank you for connecting with us this morning we're so thankful that you were able to do that if you have questions we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you you can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at the questions at the we'd love to have you in person Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.